Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome everyone to the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, David Comerford, and I'm joined once again by the Liverpool.com editor, Matt Addison. And after Diogo Jota scored in back-to-back games against Toulouse and against Brentford, we're going to take a look at whether he might be one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated player in the Liverpool squad. So, Matt, I think compared to some of Liverpool's other players where their profile is quite clear, haven't seen them for quite a long time, it's difficult to pin down exactly what kind of player Diogo Jota is. Some have characterised him as really a poacher with kind of a pretty limited all-round game, but quite an effective end product. Would you say that's a, a fair description or do, you, or do you think he's a bit more sort of rounded than that? I think that's probably what he was when he first came to Liverpool. But I think there's maybe been a bit of a development in terms of the way that he fits into the team. I think there's probably less examples this season in particular that I can think of where he's kind of lost the ball in in dangerous areas or it's just kind of bounced off him at certain points, which I think we probably saw earlier on in his Liverpool career. I think he still is a poacher. He's still a player that quite often will score you the first goal or um, create something out of nothing or just pop up with a, a header at the back post where you've, you may be not expecting him to, to, to be able to do that. But I think there is probably more to his game now than, than what there was before. Um, I know we're going to come on to talk about his best position and, and that sort of thing, but I think we've, we, we've seen him, you know, from the, the left side, particularly, I think he's, he's kind of improved a little bit in terms of that. I think, in terms of the number nine position, maybe he's, he's still a little bit more of, of a poacher and, and nothing else. He doesn't maybe have the same sort of impact on a game overall as what Nunes might, or maybe doesn't drop deep and, and create things as Cody Gakpo does. He's, he's a bit more of a, a kind of halfway between the, the two of them. But certainly on the left wing, I've been a lot more, I mean, it, it, a lot more impressed suggests I wasn't impressed before, but I've been a lot more um, kind of aware, really, of um, the, the kind of overall game that he brings to, to the table, I think, has, has come on a lot, certainly in, in the last few months, but probably the last 18 months. But obviously then he'd had a, a bit of a goal drought. He'd had the injury. There's there's other things that, that play into it. But I do think he's definitely a lot more of a Liverpool player now than when he first came in. I think when he first came in, he kind of stood out a little bit and was maybe someone that needed to to attune himself a little bit more into the team but at the same time was you know scoring goals and, and creating things and it's kind of all right if, if you're doing that obviously as we'll come to that the goal drought then became a little bit of a worry because he's a player that up until that point probably only offered you goals and assists and didn't do the other stuff and when the goals and assists stop 
you're then maybe looking at a player who's who's desperately out of form and, and lacking confidence. But I wouldn't be quite so worried now, I don't think, because I do think he brings a lot more to the table, particularly on that left side, as I say. I think he's he's come on leaps and bounds in that position in terms of, of the other stuff that he maybe brings to the table that he didn't when he first arrived. I mean, you, you mentioned kind of his contribution. I mean, one thing we're not going to touch on today in that much detail is, is pressing. Um, and I think he is really good in that area. One one thing that I kind of was, was thinking about the other day was that game against uh, Manchester City last year where Jota probably worked as hard as you've ever seen any Liverpool forward work. It was sort of the quintessential um, Klopp performance in that way. And I think he ended up working so hard that he seriously damaged um, his calf muscle and was obviously out for a long time. But that was almost the epitome of his sort of work rate in a way. Um, so that's obviously a really important part of his appeal to Klopp and him getting into the side and things like that. But his best um, goal-scoring season so far is 21. Um, and he's, I think he's actually set a target to get there this year. And he's made a good start in that regard. But just just to return to the um, the position question then, Matt, like you alluded to there, you know, Liverpool have got these three players in, in Gakpo, uh, Nunez and Jota, who can basically all play through the middle or on the left wing. And I think... Certainly in the case of Nunez, as people who are like, you know, much more keen to see him as that kind of number nine figure and don't really like him being put out wide. I don't I don't know if this is a too reductive way to ask the question, but do you think that matters in the case of Diogo Jota, or do you think he can almost make equally as big an impact from from each of those two roles? Yeah, I, I do think it, it, it's it's a, a fairly equal split that I think we'll see over the next few seasons. I don't see it being a case of he can nail down one position or the other because I don't necessarily think he's as good as peak Luis Diaz on the left. And I don't think he's as good as peak Darwin Nunes through the middle, but that doesn't matter. I think he can play both of those positions. I think he can, you know, make a, a contribution in, in both of those. And it was interesting you mentioned the Manchester City game where he gets injured because that was something I was thinking about before as well, that I don't think that would happen this season if, if you know, Diogo Jota almost certainly will play against Manchester City at the Etihad in Liverpool's next game after the international break. But he will play probably the first hour of the game or the last half an hour. And Liverpool have got the options to be able to rotate and to, to not run these players into the ground in the way that they have in, in previous seasons. So I think that's that's definitely a way into the team for him is that you can play him in, in either of those roles. You can have different combinations. You can use him as an impact sub. I think he probably was a player that when he first came into Liverpool, we assumed that at the start, he probably would be more of a, an impact player. He would be someone that you'd bring off the bench. He was kind of that fourth player that Liverpool needed, that extra bit of quality from you know, Mane, Firmino and, and Salah. Then Diogo Jota comes in and, and probably gets himself into that starting eleven a little bit more quickly than what most people would have expected. Obviously, Liverpool have then evolved again and, and things have changed. But I, I don't see, you know, as, as much as I probably personally prefer to see him off the left and through the middle at this moment in time that might change you know in the future as, as he kind of develops even further but as much as I prefer him to see it prefer to see him off the, the left at the moment I just think Liverpool don't need to to have players who can only play in one role um you know even you know from from one game to the next it might make sense against one opponent to have Gakpo through the middle and, and him off the left the next game it might be the other way around because of of certain circumstances so I think for, for him, it shouldn't really matter. For his minutes, it makes sense that he can play in both. It'll be interesting, you know, post Mohamed Salah. I think certainly, you know, two or three, probably Jota will be at, at Liverpool longer than, than Salah will because of, of the age and 
sort of stage of, of their career that they're at. You know, is there is there a possibility for one or two of these players to play off the right as well? I know we've seen that a little bit with Jota. I don't like it quite so much, but we might see it at some point if Liverpool don't have a player like Salah who's just nailed on to play all of the minutes down that side. And again, I don't think that would be the worst thing for him. I think he's a player that I don't think right now would be the first name on the team sheet in, in Liverpool's first choice eleven for you know a Champions League final was tomorrow. I think Diogo Jota would probably be on the bench for that. But that's not to say that you can't have you know a big impact either off the bench or in other matches where you can play in a, a variety of different positions. Yeah, I want to revisit that question in a second, really, in terms of um, sorry, later in the podcast, I should say, just in terms of you know what what the future might hold for Jota in terms of his role at Anfield. But if we think about that kind of standing in the squad, his goal against Brentford made it eight in sixteen matches this season. He's already surpassed his entire um, output last season when he got um, seven in 28. Although that's a little bit misleading because in those 28 games, he, he was only averaging 50 minutes per appearance. But obviously the big story last year, you've already mentioned it, Matt, was the goal drought where he went 33 appearances and 372 days without a goal. Um, obviously injury played a part in that. We mentioned the injury against Man City um, took a, a big chunk out of that sort of year and a bit where he didn't score a goal. Was there ever any kind of worry for you during that period that, that he wasn't going to be this kind of um, perfect squad player figure that he had been for Liverpool any longer? Or did it always just feel like it was going to be fleeting and that he was just unfortunate? And the numbers looked bad, but I suppose the reality wasn't quite as as um, damning as that. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I was never worried that it would always be the case and he'd never get back. It was more a, a worry of it's not really fleeting when it goes on for, for that long. You know, for, for over a year, he didn't score a goal for Liverpool. And I know part of that was an injury, but I don't think you can take that completely out of the equation. He's had a couple of injuries of, of that sort of three, four, five month uh, length. He's had a couple of those now in his Liverpool career already. And that's obviously not happened so far this season. And, and fingers crossed it doesn't. Fingers crossed that, as I mentioned before, they've got enough options that they don't have to run these players into the ground. And you can sort of avoid these injuries a little bit better when you've got more options to pick from. But I think that was the, the big worry for me was that he still played quite a lot of, of matches without scoring. I know not all of those are a starts or not all of them would have been in you know, a, a first choice 11. He played a couple of games in, in the Carabao Cup and stuff like that, where it's a little bit more difficult to score because you've not got the, the first team, first choice players around you. But I think for me, the, the length of, of that period was a little bit worrying, but you felt that as soon as he got one, he'd probably go on a little bit of a run again. I don't think he's quite the same streaky player that he was when he was at Wolves. I know typically you know, when he was at Wolves, he was very much... He'd have a 10-game run where he'd score loads and then not score for another 10. I don't think it's quite that black and white with Liverpool. I think it's been you know, a little bit more spread out and, and a little bit better in, in terms of, of that. But I do feel like he's, he's still a player where 
you kind of feel like he gets into a bit of a rhythm and, and a run. And if he's just got it, got into a, a bit of a, a habit of, of scoring, that can be can be something that, that really benefits him. So I was worried. I was probably more worried than most during that period. But at the same time, you kind of knew that once he managed to get that one, he'd probably, you know, injury permitting, he would probably go on and, and have a decent season. And I think that's the same this season as well. If, if he stays fit, he's clearly a 20-goal player. Uh, I, I don't think there's really any doubt about that. It's just a case of, of his injuries because he has had, you know, a couple of, of those where it's not just been, you know, a little a little hamstring where, it, you know, it's a couple of weeks. It, it's been substantial chunks taken out of his season. So I think that's the, the biggest thing really for me is that if he can stay fit, you kind of know that you're going to get a decent chunk of goals out of him. The issue has been in, in previous seasons. I mean, how many seasons has it been for? Is it two out of four or two out of five? No, two out of four, I think, isn't it? Seasons that he's been at, at Liverpool where where that's been the case. So if he can get through this season without an injury, I think that would certainly play into the uh, the idea that he's kind of over that, back into that rhythm and, and back into being a real key part of, of this Liverpool team. Yeah, I think, you know, I mentioned that 21-goal target he set for himself this season, matching the 21-22 season. That's the only uh, one of his, his campaigns so far, but he hasn't had that long-term injury. So I think you're absolutely right, Matt, that it is it is sort of key to just to stay fit in terms of um, putting up the numbers and things like that. And, uh, you know, you, you could, I suppose, sort of say what's changed for Jota when you, when you look at those numbers and say, you know, 8-16 and 16 versus 7-28, and 28, but... I think it sometimes is just as simple as you know being out of form versus versus being in form, and maybe sometimes we we look too deep into kind of the reasons for footballers being off it, and sometimes it's just the, the natural fluctuations that they will go through during their careers. I, I remember he had a um, a sort of uh, an analogy that he made. I think it was something that Cristiano Ronaldo once said actually, where he was like, you know, goals are like a ketchup bottle where sometimes you're trying so hard to, to make the, the ketchup come out. And then once you do it, obviously all the ketchup goes everywhere. And that's sort of what it was like for him at the back end of last season. I think he got, got his goal against Leeds in April. I think, he, I think he's maybe scored twice in that game. Um, Liverpool, I think, won 6-1. And then he sort of had a much stronger end to the season and it sort of carried that into this year. So I suppose the, the analogy that he made really has come true there. Um, I just want to kind of look at Jota's record as a whole in his Liverpool career. He scored 49 goals and provided 17 assists in 129 games overall, which I think sounds pretty pretty solid for a 40 million player um, without being maybe incredible. But it's when you kind of break it down a little bit into sort of um, minutes that it looks a bit better because he's got those 49 goals having only started 83 of those 129 games and his minutes per goal is one five five, which is obviously excellent as well. I mean, when you read those numbers, might you just think that if you Jurgen Klopp, Jota's such a valuable player to have in your squad, even if he isn't someone who isn't going to be necessarily starting in your absolute best eleven. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. And I think that's exactly why there's no reason for him to want to go on and, and play somewhere else where he might think that he can get a bit more football. I think he's clearly a very effective footballer for Liverpool. He's a, a player who can make an impact. And I think you know, we've spoken about this, I think, on this podcast a couple of times already about players who will benefit from the matches being that bit longer now. If you've got, you know, 10, 12 minutes of added time, it's no longer a 90-minute football match. It's more like, you know, 100, 105 minutes of, of football. If you come on after an hour and you're Diogo Jota and, you know, you, you've almost got a new role that's been built there where it's not a case of you're a substitute and you're coming on for the last 20. It's it's a completely different thing now. It's it's a bit more of a, a different narrative that you can start to tell these players and, but there will be there will be moments where Jota starts several games in a row because there might be a couple of injuries or there might be you know different opportunities that come up in in different competitions that he is needed for. But you know as much as I don't think he is in Liverpool's first choice eleven, you look at those numbers and that's exactly why he's he's so important. At the same time as saying he's not in the first choice eleven, he's probably your first sub or certainly your second sub. Um, I don't think there's there's really too much doubt about that. If if he doesn't start, he's definitely going to play a role in the game in some form, uh, whether that's to you know come on and, and provide that energy in the, the pressing like you spoke about before, or whether you need a goal to, to break the deadlock or, or go ahead. You know those those numbers speak for themselves. He, he's clearly a player that is you know reliable when he's on the pitch. The, the big question is is just his fitness, which again, as we keep saying, you know ties into the fact that if you can keep him fit it will benefit the fact that you've got your five subs and, and all the rest of it. He's just such a such an effective effective weapon to have off the bench. And I think he's he's one of those players as well that you look at you look at so many teams, you look at how much money Manchester United, Chelsea, and all of these clubs have spent so much money on attackers. What Liverpool have done so cleverly is to spend obviously less money, but also find players that are much more prolific. You know, he, he might not do six spins on the halfway line for no reason like Anthony might or he might not make a load of runs and, and not get picked out like Nicholas Jackson might at, at Chelsea but you know that if he has one attempt it doesn't matter when it comes in the game whether it's the first minute or the last I think you'd, you'd pretty much inside the penalty area you'd you'd almost not want it to, to drop to anybody else and I know you've got Nunes you've got Salah you've got loads of you know really elite goal scorers for Liverpool but if the ball just bobbles around for a second in the penalty area, I think Diogo Jota is the one that you want to be on the end of that. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Actually, in terms of, you know, if you had to pick someone out as the best kind of instinctive finisher at the club, I think Jota's probably got the strongest case there. And it's interesting that you mentioned those two teams. You know, you think to yourself, if you're United, you sort of say, you know, we've got Hoyland and we're ready to kind of go with him long term and, and ride out the initial kind of... Um, teeth and problems that you might have just with our young years but I suppose if you said to either of those two teams Chelsea or United you know would you take Jota as a swap for your striker this season and have him as your kind of number one option there I'm sure they'd both absolutely take that in terms of like I said earlier not only the goal scoring rate which is excellent but also kind of being a, a very strong presence off the ball too but one other thing I wanted to draw attention to stats wise um before we move on is that eight of those 49 goals have come off the bench. And I had to look at LFC history, um, which is a really good site with so many kind of historical archives and stuff. Jota is actually joint seventh on the all-time list now uh, for goals as a substitute in Liverpool shirt level with Steven Gerrard uh, for that metric and, and three behind Mohamed Salah, even though he's, a, he's been at Liverpool, obviously, uh, for a much shorter period of time. I mean... 
that is an absolutely huge asset to ours. Probably not something that we think about enough, really, in terms of the impact players can make off the bench. But Jota feels like if anybody in this current Liverpool squad, he's sort of the ultimate super sub figure, and especially with games being longer, like you say, Matt, that is a, a crucial weapon over the course of a season, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that the games are, are much longer now. You're going to have a lot more late goals. There's going to be more opportunities for players to come on and, and get at, at tired legs. I think we're, we're going to see a lot more of a gap, I think, between the top teams and, and the bottom teams. We've seen it with you know, with you know, Tottenham scoring late goals. There's been you know, Manchester City, obviously, have done it consistently, consistently over the, the last few seasons. But I think that the top teams, if you're playing a team who's managed to frustrate you for 80 minutes. You can get to 80 minutes now and think, we've still got another 20, 25 here because we've wasted a little bit of time or you know, there's maybe been a couple of injuries or, you know, even even in, in a normal game now, it, it's quite normal to have a six or seven minute added time period. It, it just completely changes the, the dynamics in, in terms of the game, but also just psychologically as well. And I think if you've got a player like Jota who can come on and, and just nick something from nowhere or press you into a into a mistake to create something for somebody else i think you know you'd like to think that he will only increase that number of substitution appearances and in terms of of the goals that he gets off the bench i'm sure he would want to start those games but again you know i think there is there's there's definitely going to be a role i think over the next few seasons for there's going to be certain players that just pop up and, and appear as this kind of specialist who can come on with half an hour of normal time remaining and, and make themselves that that's almost their role. I think Harvey Elliott is another one. You know, there's, there's no rush for him, 20 years of age. I know there's been a lot of talk about how well he has played off the bench this season, but in the past, we would probably be having that conversation of he's done so well off the bench that now he needs to make sure that he doesn't do too well. He needs to get himself in the team. I don't think that's necessarily the case now. I think with with Jota, probably with Cody Gakpo, um, with Elliot, you know, Liverpool have not just got one option there. They've they've got three there that you can turn to to change a game, to score you a goal. Obviously, when you know Gravenberg and, and Jones and the midfield is fit as well, there's there's other options in those areas. But I think Diogo Jota really can make himself a bit of a specialist in terms of, of that position. It's it's not something that we've seen before. Obviously, the, the rule changes and, and the additional added time is is going to help that, but. I think he's he's a player that if you're a Liverpool player or a Liverpool fan watching and he comes on, you think he's probably going to do something, but probably the opposition as well. If if you've been ran ragged by Diaz and, 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 and Nunes for 60, 70 minutes and then Diogo Jota and Cody Gakpo come off the bench, I think that can only be a good thing for Liverpool. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, absolutely. And l- let's get into the, the, the crux, I suppose, of the podcast now in terms of Jota potentially being underrated. I mean, who are, aside from Jota, the players that you'd look at in this Liverpool squad and think, do you know what, they, they merit the label of being underrated? Because there's probably quite a few that you can pick out kind of across the spectrum when it comes to ability. Yeah, there's probably quite a few for, for different reasons. I think he's the most sort of conventionally underrated. I think he's probably one that doesn't get spoken about enough. I would put probably Alisson and Van Dijk in that as well, in that I think they're probably even better than what gets spoken about, but that's obviously a different kind of, of underrated. Probably Salah as well, to be fair, in, in that argument as well, in terms of 
obviously people know that they're good, but quite how good they are, I don't think is is maybe you know a, a sort of normal talked about thing in often enough. Um, but Jota probably fits into that category along with maybe a Cody Gakpo as well. Who I know you know we've written about on Liverpool.com a few times over the last few weeks of his numbers similar to Jota really. Of you know you, you might look at his numbers and think well you know that they're okay, but then you look at per minute. And actually the impact that he's having, I think he falls into a, a similar kind of category as as him. So it, it's kind of two camps, really. I think definitely someone like a, a Gakpo or an Elliot or you know, pe- people who make an impact but maybe don't do it across the course of 90 minutes, that's not necessarily a barometer of, of seeing where they're at. So Jota probably more than anybody else conventionally, I think, is is probably the player that I would pick out. But you're right, there are there are a couple of others who I think maybe their role is is a little bit more than what they get given credit for, but I suppose it, it doesn't it doesn't ultimately matter. I don't think in terms of, of the forward line at the moment, Jota could be, you know, thought of a little bit more highly, but he's equally never going to be Mohamed Salah. The, you know, the, the certain certain things around that it's it's not the worst thing in the world to be underrated and, and just to go under the radar and, and keep scoring those goals. I think there will come a point where you know if he can beat that twenty one goal record, which I think is definitely a possibility if he stays fit maybe then we can have a conversation at the end of, of this season. But I almost don't think it's a bad thing that he goes a little bit underrated. If if the eyes are elsewhere, that gives him an opportunity to just pop up and, and score goals out of nowhere. Yeah, definitely. And, and he is a bit of a, a silent assassin figure, I think. You know, you can probably make a case for a lot of the ball players. The only other one I'd mentioned that you didn't say, Matt, in terms of maybe fitting that bill it is someone like Curtis Jones, where I think Liverpool fans, a lot of them have, have come to appreciate what he offers. But I think... Certainly, if he can kind of get back into the team consistently, maybe that's when people outside um, Anfield will, will start to recognise what he's been bringing to the table recently. But if, we, if we're saying that Jota is underrated and that he kind of fits that description to a T, do you think that that's more from sections of the Liverpool fan base or those outside the club? Because I suppose it is always twofold when you are going to use that label for a player. Yeah, it's probably a little bit of both, isn't it? I think um, I definitely think there's, as we've said on this podcast, I think probably my my first choice front three at the moment, and, and probably most people's would be Diaz, Nunes, and, and Salah. Um, so by that definition, you know, maybe he's he's a little bit unfortunate that it's probably quite quickly happened that we're talking about Nunes being the first choice number one. Most people would probably agree on that. But then again, a couple of months ago we did this podcast and you know he was was fifth in that pecking order. I can't remember actually who I went for between Gakpo and, and Jota, but it was definitely one of them who was ahead of him. And you know, all of that has, has changed really in in a relatively short space of, of time. So I think definitely within the Liverpool fan base, I'm sure as the numbers grow, probably if he keeps on this form up until Christmas, that will change and, and the perceptions will change. But probably outside of, of the club, even more so than, than within the Liverpool fan base is, is where Jota probably isn't appreciated as much as, as what he might be. Um, you know, even you know, the, the, the season he got 21 in all competitions. I can't remember how many he got in the Premier League, but I seem to remember he was, was fairly high up on those goal-scoring charts. And I think that probably would have, have maybe surprised a few people. Um, he, he does kind of go under the radar, I think, in terms of you know the, the quality that he has. And, and maybe that is because he is more of a, a poacher. Maybe if he was a Diaz-type player where he, he beats a few people or you know he brings out the step-overs or, or whatever it might be, maybe maybe then you get a little bit more of, of that wider recognition. Maybe you get a little section on Match of the Day where they show the, the highlights and stuff. It, it is just 
just the goals that, that you kind of get with with him. But um, I definitely think there's the, the, there's a case for Liverpool having the best group of, of forwards probably of, of anywhere in the world, but certainly in the Premier League. I think the the proven quality is there. We know that other teams have, have got you know decent amounts of, of depth and, and options as well. But I think for, for Diogo Jota to be in that five for Liverpool, I think he's he's a big part of, of that. And I think probably by the end of, of this season, we'll probably see the rest of the world catch up to, to that. I think at the moment, maybe the perception is that the Liverpool doesn't have quite as much depth as, as what some of the other teams do. But there's no doubt about it for me. I think I wouldn't swap Liverpool's group of five players for, for any other set of forwards across the Premier League. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I agree with that, to be fair. And I also think that, kind of regarding Jotman being underrated, I think part of it is the fact that sometimes, and I think probably Brentford's a decent example of this, you can have games where you're either quiet or a little bit scruffy. Um, and I, I think that's probably a relatively common theme, not to be sort of too harsh on him, but then he kind of pops up with the goal anyway. And you sort of have people who will be there on social media like, oh, Jota's having a stinger today, get Jota off type thing. And then it's like, oh, I'm going Jota's goal. We've got to go back and delete those tweets now. And it is that sort of a bit of a cycle with him. And you do have players like that who are able to score when they're not playing especially well. And I think, to be fair, Salah has done that quite a few times this season as well. You know, it's a very um, important asset to have, obviously. But you, you've mentioned a couple of times, Matt, that, um, you know, and I think most of the fans would agree, you stack Jota up against the informed Luis Diaz or an informed Darwin Nunez, and he's he's sitting on the bench with obviously Mohamed Salah guaranteed a place. And it just makes me think that, you know, Manchester City, Liverpool's main competitors we've seen in recent years, they've lost Cole Palmer, Riyad Mahrez, Raheem Sterling, Ferran Torres, Leroy Sane. All of those players have, have kind of gone from their attacking ranks and had to be replaced and gone to kind of explore new challenges elsewhere. How does Klopp manage somebody like Jota to ensure that he doesn't ever begin to like think about moving elsewhere? Because, you know, I mentioned earlier that there's a couple of very good teams there in the Premier League who would probably take him and, and start him. And obviously, it's unlikely Liverpool would sell him to a side like that. But even there'll be plenty of sides in Europe who, who, if Jota became available, they'd be probably straight there, especially given that he's still a decent age. I mean, do you ever foresee that becoming an issue? Because, you know, it's all well and good talking about, about the luxury of having these five players, but there are only three starting places and there's got to be a point where it becomes difficult to keep them all, you know, you know, happy and content at Anfield. Yeah, I think it, it probably becomes easier in a season where Liverpool are in the Champions League. I think that's definitely something that I would say that the Champions League is going to be expanded as well. So there's going to be you know a little bit more football to be had there. I think it's probably easier to say to Diogo Jota and probably Cody Gappo and various others in the, the Liverpool attack that, you know, if, if your minutes are coming against a Champions League team in the group stage, it's probably a little bit easier to justify on their part than what we've seen this season where you know, Jota's played matches against Toulouse and you know, Union SG and, and teams like that. With the greatest respect to them, that's probably not something that's sustainable long term. I think you can get away with it for a season being in the Europa League, but if Liverpool were to be in the Europa League next season as well, maybe there's a little bit of a conversation to be had. Um, it, it's fine if, if Diogo Jota gets himself into the position of being the first choice and he's doing the Premier League stuff and, and somebody else has, has dropped out into that kind of second tier group. But I think as long as Liverpool are in the Champions League, there's going to be enough football for each of these players. The longer matches, the fact that you know the substitute appearances are going to be a little bit longer plays into it as well. I think that probably plays into to Liverpool's hands. 
I don't think it's I don't think it's the same as as being at Manchester City as well in terms of the kind of project and the kind of emotional ties of it as well. I think it's probably easier to buy into what Liverpool are doing and, and that than maybe what it would be with, I suppose, a, a more kind of clinical, um, more sort of brutal way of, of, of playing football, really, in, in terms of the way that, that Guardiola does it. I think you know, we've seen lots of players, Calvin Phillips being one example of just sort of being frozen out, not really being played. I think with with Jurgen Klopp, there's a bit more of a, almost a bit more of a family feel to it. There's a, a bit more of a, a camaraderie, a, a bit more of being involved in that squad. And look, I, I don't know. I'm not there day in, day out at, at the AXA, but I suspect that Diogo Jota has been there long enough now that over the next two or three years, he can kind of step up and be a bit more of a leader within this team. There's going to be certain players who move on. I think it kind of feels like it would take it would take a big club and a big offer, you know, let's say Real Madrid come in for him, maybe then you can have that conversation, but that applies to any player. That's not, you know, a specific case. I just think there's there's enough there, I think, that this could be a different situation to, you know, some of those players that you listed off at, at City. I mean, you know, I suppose even even within that, Riyad Mahrez went to, to Saudi probably for the money. Ferran Torres probably always wanted to go back to Spain at some point and has ended up at Barcelona, similar to the Real Madrid example that the hypothetical I gave there. That could happen to, to any player at, at any point. Probably someone like Palmer or, or Leroy Sané is, is a bit more of a, a similar comparison, but I just think there's, there's there's more of a case at Liverpool, I think, over the next couple of years than than what there would be at, at, at Manchester City or Chelsea or you know wherever it might be. I think there's probably a little bit more hope that there's enough there to make him think that it's worth staying at Liverpool for the next few seasons. And as long as he stays fit, he will play a lot of football. And hopefully from next season, it will be in the Champions League as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, like I said earlier, he has at least appeared in um, 16 matches so far this season. And, you know, we're only in mid-November, so he's certainly featuring very regularly. Obviously, you know, he wants to be starting games, but you hope that you should have a healthy culture there in terms of, you know, play well, score, and then, you know, you're going to stick in the team. And like you said earlier, Matt, Liverpool playing Man City in their next game. I think there's a very strong chance that the Jota um, begins that one. I haven't scored in the last two, like I said, right at the start of the podcast. But we will leave it there for today's episode. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Obviously, we are now in the international break, but there's still going to be plenty of content on the Bud Red channel and, of course, on Liverpool.com. Make sure you go back and check out last week's episode on Trent Alexander-Arnold where we looked at sort of his start to the season. I think that's very applicable in light of how his game went against uh, Brentford, where he didn't pick up a, an assist, but he did have a couple of moments that showed his value to the team in other ways. In the immediate, we'll be back with an episode next week, so make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that one as well. But until then, take care. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.